This is a warning to all living mortals that whosoever opens this chest of demons will release 13 of the most terrifying ghosts upon the face of the earth. to the chest. Because you let them out. (laughs) (laughs) The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy, and my pronouns are she and they. I'm Lava, they, them. And as our half of the very uh, annual, very special, very crossover, uh, Tanner and Lindsay are here. Please reintroduce yourselves more than I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi, I'm Tanner. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm afraid of teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Lindsay. I use she, her pronouns. And do I have a a uh, demon box cooler I want to sell you? <laughs> Thank you for coming back on the show as part of our annual whole dealio. I mean, yeah. it's part of the various Crossroads deals we have. Yes. Yep, this is the last one, so you, you're sort of almost off the hook now. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> uh, well, uh, how, how have you been? How's everybody do- done? Done? Doing? We, we done gone done some good. Yeah. <laughs> I need to check for if there's any other news other than the one big piece of news that I or I know happened. Um, y'all, y'all have any Scooby-Doo stuff you want to talk about while I pull up any other, any other news? Uh, I sold off my all my stuff for Lego Dimensions because I decided I didn't have the time nor the money to try and get invested in that again. And I didn't have any Scooby minifigs, and now I never will. Uh-huh. Um, I watched a video about the history of Scooby-Doo, and I didn't realize how... Uh, there were some interesting decisions made with certain properties within Scooby-Doo. Was it the Billiam videos? Uh no, it was a different YouTuber. Okay. Yeah. I rewatched some of the Billiam videos. Ah. Okay, I- I've looked through like three pages of news articles. It looks like there's only the one big piece of news, and it's that they they have announced another Scooby Doo movie. Uh, they they're trying to get us to keep going a little bit longer. <laughs> Just by for you. announcing Scooby Doo and Courage the Cowardly Dog in straight out of nowhere. <laughs> It's got Courage, the Cowardly Dog, in it. It, it is, actually looks good. It is wild yeah, it that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird that it exists. Um, I've heard rumors that like the original Courage, the Cowardly Dog creator is not involved, um, or was not uh, referenced, but also, it's been a while. <laughs> Listen. It's been a while. Tanner, no. And I also don't know if that's 100% true. <laughs> Anyways, that's the news. 
Um, we got questions. Cool. With a capital Q. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, so let me just go through these. I'll start from the bottom here of my list. Um, coming in from Jake. Restaurant quality Jake Mason at JJ underscore Mason. If the gang were in Sonic, what animals would they be? This includes a Scooby-Doo. Okay, so first off, I think Scooby would just be a chow. Yeah. Ooh, I could see that. Scooby is very cheese adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I feel like, you know, Fred's probably... I don't know if Fred's a fox or not. Or maybe like a wolf. Wolf could be good. Something that has like that, that four-legged mammal feeling. See, I'm trying to think of what he would look like sonicified. And I always want to say a raccoon. Hmm. The one raccoon I can think of in Sonic is um, Marine the Raccoon. Exactly. From Sonic Rush Adventure. Exactly. A mechanic. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that part. I was like, visually, that makes me think of Daphne. Hmm. Daphne. I don't think she's a bunny. What if Daphne's a bat? Hmm. No, what's the midpoint between bunny and bat? Um, maybe a cat. Hmm. Could mm. be a cat. I could see exactly. A that's cat. that's that's what the zoologists say. <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Daphne's outfits look a lot like Blaze's outfits in like the Olympics games. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Velma, I want to put as like a pangolin. Ooh. You know. Okay. Some sort of, like, that kind of shape feels correct. Mm-hmm. I know there's been an armadillo, but has there ever been a pangolin officially? No. Hmm. But I, I imagine it looking slightly bulkier than Mighty the Armadillo, whose design I don't really care for. I don't like that it's like a single shell, like, a, over his back. Oh, yeah. Right. It makes him look like more like a bug than an armadillo. Yeah. Um, Shaggy is... Hmm. Something Shaggy long. is. I think Shaggy's a hedgehog. Shaggy could be squirrel. I could see oh. it. Or like a ferret. Oh, you sent sent me someone's Sonic fan character. I have sent you a Sonic soda. That's not what I was imagining. I was imagining something that's got like more of a different body type than your average Sonic character. You know, like Vector does. Oh, and stuff. okay. Um, sort of like. Like, you could do a, a straight circle curve from, like, one arm to the other over the top. Right. And the head would be at, like, the underneath that curve. So Vela is also the muscle. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vela is the power character when they get into Sonic Heroes. <laughs> yeah, because Daphne has to be this technical. Although, based on some of the stuff you see in this movie, Daphne could also be power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would anyone be a bird version a bird oh, Fred of might be bird, actually. See, I would say that Vincent Van Gogh is like a raven. Definitely. Oh yeah, of course. Mm. I was almost thinking Shaggy could be like a a stork or something. Oh yeah, that oh, could yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah, Flimflam gives me big like Tangle the Lemur energy. Who is one of the best character designs in Sonic? Yes. <laughs> All right, I think we've answered this question. Moving on. Christina asks at Seawood's Art, If there are at least 13 ghosts, what would the other curses be? How many ghosts is too spooky? So funny you should ask, because there are 
um, at least 13 ghosts, specifically. And I know that one of them has, like, the curse of sleep and darkness. Because oh. I did watch the first two episodes of the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. And the first ghost they fight uh, puts every puts people to sleep. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that. So here's a list from Wikipedia. You got Maldor the, Ma- the Malevolent, who is a master of the Black Arts. Queen Morbida, who is the commander of the Army of Monsters. Reflector Spectre, a mirror demon who can trap people in mirrors. Zomba, a zombie demon. I want to skip ahead so I get to say time slime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh who i believe does just have the power of time yeah yeah so um and it looks like there's a guy named Demendo who has comic book power yeah oh yeah. god um uh, professor Maurice lamarche tells us all about it at the beginning of the movie yeah. yeah also i would argue that 14 ghosts is one ghost too many because then they don't fit it's true yeah Oh, so 13 is a spooky box. number. You gotta have the spooky number. Yeah. Yeah. And they went with the appropriately named Asmodeus, the Prince of Demons. King of Demons. King of Demons. Asmodunk. Asmodunk, the demon baller. <laughs> Asmodeus. Asmodeus. I kept thinking of Asmodeus from Redwall. I think um, that's actually how the pr- pr- how it's pronounced in this movie. But yeah. it was kind of jarring because I always just kind of read words and think I know what they pronounce. And, and whenever I'm wrong, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was pronounced that way. Well, I also thought it was Asmodeus. Well, also, I don't think there's any like one correct way to pronounce Asmodeus's <sighs> name because um, the name Asmodeus is believed to derive from an Avestan language, uh, meaning wrath demon. Uh, his name has also been spelled Asmodai, Asmodi, or Asmodei, with an accent on the second E. Asmodius, Asmodai, uh, Hashmodai, uh, Ham- Hamadai, Shamdon, and Shidonai. Asmodeus, 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 Asmodeus. Yeah, like, I think if they wanted to go scarier, they would have actually delved into, like, the lesser key of Solomon, so. This is mm-hmm. Satan. They have to fight Satan. Yeah. Yeah. No, they wouldn't Again. go Satan because certain people would get their knickers in a twist. They would probably go for the next best thing, which would be, like, Apollon or... Baphomet. Baphomet, yeah, probably Baphomet. Or Ball. So uh, I, I want to take Christina's second question here and tie it in with Charlie's first two questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina asked, how many ghosts is too spooky? And Charlie, uh, a boyfriend like lover dude at magical underscore pride, asks, is 13 ghosts too many? What's the perfect number of ghosts to have? I don't think 13 ghosts is too many, although apparently it was too many to solve in one season of a TV show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's just right. Yeah, I, I do think 14 ghosts is too many. Not for being, like, particularly spooky or scary, but it's just, like, that's a lot of ghosts. Yeah. That's two whole weeks of ghosts. And it's not as symbolic yeah. enough. Yeah, you want a exactly. baker's dozen of ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in case you drop one and break it. So you can eat one on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's actually uh, Charlie, April 25th. <laughs> Charlie also asked if you could haunt a location, where would it be? Library. Library is pretty good for haunting. Mm-hmm. I think haunting a theme park would be fun just because, like, you know, it, it happens at carnivals and fairs, but it's only happened, like, maybe twice in, like, an actual theme park. You, you, action Park has got to be Wicked Haunted, though. Yeah. You'd think. But I don't think any of those ghosts have unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're more of the uh, residual haunting. Didn't realize they died and are kind of just confused. Just hanging out. There's no other place like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should I should I give my serious answer or my silly answer? Yes. You could give both. both. Your choice. So the serious answer is I want to haunt a police station so that they can't get anything done. Yeah. And, Solid answer. And the silly answer is I want to haunt a grocery store and just harass all the customers that are in turn trying to harass the staff. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think both are good. Oh, being the sort of wonk I am, I think I would probably be haunting Parliament Hill. Library ghost. Library ghost. <laughs> I would go from the library to the House of Commons and just, like, sit in the speaker's chair. <laughs> and honestly, Lindsay, I'm pretty sure that you could, you could like, die in the middle of the ocean and you would be teleported. Your spirit would just end up in a library anyways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> huh. Okay, next question comes from Crest at Fantasy Crest. What are your honest opinions on Flim Flam? I think he's alright. I think he's a decent, solid kid. I I watched the first two episodes of The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo after watching this movie to sort of, like, build an opinion and to get a sense of the original material. Um, He he seems alright. You know, he very much fits in line with the uh, the concept of revamping the show with more younger characters that do jokes. Yeah. I... I was worried he was going to be worse than he, than he ended up being because it was going to be like, uh oh, this new brown person is the con man. But it's like, it's played off as like he's a scamp, not a stereotype thing. If that makes sense, it is very much like that in the original. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's something like in the original and in this. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, I think definitely. Yeah, yeah, I like him. He's definitely not nearly as bad as I was worried about him being. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that the shaggy, crew, the shaggy, not shaggy, scrappy do like hater crowd, probably not fond of him, if I had to guess. Mm, yeah. But I, I think he's all right. Yeah. That kid has moxie. You know what? I can appreciate that he's, you know, trying to make some money, and he's upfront about it. He's a go-getter. It also like he's not a con in the literally in the first episode he's not a con man. He comes across as a con man. He is literally selling something that actually works. <laughs> huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, last set of questions come in from Dowd at Dow FAQ. Do you think that Frank Welker is right in the only re- reason the gang hangs out with Fred is that he has a license? I think that is incorrect because <laughs> as we can see, a lot of other members of the gang can drive. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like though, <laughs> I feel like you could do one of the origin stories where that's how it starts, though. Yeah, I yeah. feel like he's the oldest of the group, so of course he had the had the mystery machine first because he had the driver's license first. But then they actually grew to like him somewhat. Uh, that also leads that answer leads into Dowd's second question: 
who is the real owner of the mystery machine, Fred or Shaggy? I mean, like, if they both called it, who would it go to, not who owns it legally? I mean, in that case, it's 100% Fred. Yeah. yeah. Like, Fred yeah. is I, I think... in love with that machine. Yeah. It's Fred's I would baby. say it's Fred's on both accounts. Yeah. Like, part of me has, like, a, an enjoyment of the theory that it's, like, it's Shaggy's mystery machine, but he can't drive it or just chooses not to. <laughs> See, it's I very can funny to me. I, like I can definitely I... buy that. T- oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Okay, I, I was going to say, I could definitely buy the idea that Shaggy, like, financed the mystery machine, but, like, once that was finished and he fully owned it, he then completely transferred ownership over to Fred because he saw yeah. that Fred enjoyed it more. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is, like, it was probably, like, yeah, uh, technically I, I paid for it, I own it, here, have it. Yeah, it's yours. Yeah, here's a list. Just as, like, I think Shaggy probably does also own the, uh, the red van. Um... <laughs> Yeah, the mystery which, machine. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the thing is, like, it doesn't really have a name. I think it is called the mystery machine in the original series, just because, like, that's the name of their funny van. Um, I in my notes, I've mostly just called it Red, because I I can't uh, bring myself to like actually be able to make the distinction between saying mystery machine and mystery machine. See, I was thinking of it as like the mystery machine. You know, like the Miz, the wrestler. I know yeah, seven wrestlers. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. I know seven wrestlers mostly because of this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're welcome. Same here. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all of our questions. Yeah. Unless there's any secret questions hiding from me, ready to jump out and spook me. I d- I didn't see the audience with extra special questions this year. <laughs> okay. I was also just checking to make sure you didn't have any questions that you were going to spring on us last second. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, um, well with that, I think it's time to get into the concept of what what movie we are watching, or have watched, uh, in this case. Uh, and that it would be Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the Thirteenth Ghost. It was released on DVD and digital on February 5th, 2019. Directed by Cecilia Aronovich Hamilton. Produced by Jennifer Coyle, Amy McKenna, and Sam Register. And written by Tim Sheridan. Featuring the voice acting talents of Frank Welker as Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo. Gray Delisle Griffin as Daphne Blake and Mrs. Malvo. Matthew Lillard as Shaggy Rogers. Kate McCucci as Velma Dinkley. Maurice LaMarche as Vincent Van Gogh, Bernie Allen, and Vance Linklater. Noshir Delal as Flim Flam. Nolan North as Asmodeus, Mortifer, and Farmer Morgan, and David Herman as the Sheriff. Um, I also have here uh, a link to the Scooby-Doo fandom wiki, because they have an entire section about the continuity of this film and the series as a whole. Oh, God. (laughs) Which I think is fun, because it introduces time problems. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're going to start with just like, okay, here's some... uh, Here's some things about how this connects uh, and references the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. The film's opening title sequence contains numerous references to the original show. All in all, there's only two episodes not referenced, which are That's Monstertainment and A Spooky Little Ghoul Like You. The The references to the other episodes are The gang being chased by a werewolf from To All the Ghouls I Loved Before. Maldor the Malevolent and the Dragon from Scubra Kadubra. The Gang Searching the Mines and the Shadow Demon from Me and My Shadow Demon. The Marrakesh Marketplace and the Reflector Spectre from Reflections in a Ghoulish Eye. 
the Bermuda Triangle Ghost from Ship of Ghouls, Stonehenge, the Brewski Sisters, and Marcella from When You Witch Upon a Star, A Clock Turning Backward, and Time Slime from It's a Wonderful Scoob, <laughs> The Gang Trapped in a Comic Strip by Demondo in, er, from Scooby and Quacky Land, and Silhouettes of Rancor, Professor Phantasmo, and Zimbaloo from Coast to Coast, The Ghouliest Show on Earth, and Horror Scope Scoob. Can I just say that Naruto Shippuden Ghouls was like one of my favorite seasons. <laughs> I can't think of a funny Boruto uh, joke to, to do with that. Um, so, theoretically, so let's talk about um, something that happens here, uh, where this fits uh, in the timeline, so to speak. So this takes place canonically after zombie island because right after this movie is the return to zombie island and which is a sequel to this uh, like a direct sequel so this movie is part of the beginning of a trilogy okay which is this movie the return to zombie island and then happy halloween scooby-doo uh they're all like back to back to back have like an overarching plot uh if you can believe it um so, which means that this takes place after Zombie Island. However, in this movie, they establish that they are not yet 18. They're despite teenagers. the fact that in Zombie Island... <laughs> They're adults. They were adults. Clearly adults. So yeah, once you turn 18, you, you become adults. <laughs> but that takes place in the past. So. <laughs> There's See, something time problems. There's something interesting, too. So, Flim Flam, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Flim Flam is a kid... In yes, the original? He, he is like a, a small child. He is scrappy size. Okay. Um, he's an adult in this movie. He's a teen. Uh, yeah, okay. He he got run over by the puberty truck. Yeah. But, <laughs> so when did the original 13 Ghosts thing happen for last the summer. game? Yeah, last summer. In According oh. to this movie, last summer. Huh. It always happened last summer. Next year, it'll still have happened last summer. Wow, Flim Flam. Talk about That's a an impressive growth spurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, there's a bunch of references to other uh, other Scooby-Doo properties uh, in, like, the garage sale. Because oh. you see, like, the suit of uh, the Space Kook and the Black Knight um, and a bunch of other uh, Scooby-Doo where are you monsters. Uh, but more relevant to us uh from direct to tv direct to video movies we have the samurai mask from scooby-doo and the samurai sword the abominable snowman mask from chill out scooby-doo and the mr hyde mask from scooby-doo mask of the blue falcon oh and they do have a photo um from scooby-doo on zombie island of Of sort of so in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, the beginning of the movie, there's like that, uh, the clip they play on that talk show that Daphne's on. Yeah. Of the gang solving a mystery. Um, them unmasking that man is Mr. Beeman. He's the moat monster. And that was in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. He has appeared in other things as like just being a picture. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough. 
Um, okay, so I've talked about all that stuff. Let's see. Um, in an interview with a podcast named Scooby-Doo, Tim Sheridan, one, the, the main writer here, confirmed that Warner Brothers requested that Flim Flam and Scrappy not be in the film. However, both were taken into consideration by Sheridan when writing the script, and Scrappy was ultimately cut from the film due to not fitting into the story that Sheridan wanted to, t- wanted to tell. They also requested toning down of any truly supernatural elements, making the movie's stance on the paranormal more ambiguous. Um, Speaking of which, we'll get to this conversation in a second. Um, But also, in the original series, there were two ghosts, Bogle and Weird. They're sort of like um, goofy um, knuckleheads that are trying to stop them from catching the ghosts. And they were supposed to show up in here as like cameos on like some temple artwork, but did not happen. I always felt like they were more like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but okay. That was just my uh, description of them from like the two episodes I yeah. watched. So, Lava, you had a thing that you wanted to ask. Yeah, Um. so the supernatural thing. What? Really? Yeah, what? that threw me for a loop, too. <laughs> Do you mean that they didn't keep it ambiguous, or why would they want it to be ambiguous? Why would they want it to be ambiguous? Like, I thought that we had reached this place where listen like sometimes the monsters are real sometimes they're not real part of the fun is wondering whether they're going to be legit or this, not this is the age in which uh literally the next movie is them trying to say actually the zombies weren't real no that sucks bad <laughs> disagree i i agree I, I think it's sort of like them sort of like getting a like violently counteracting the like scooby-doo mystery incorporated take um you know because it takes place after that because it you know maurice lamarche became uh vincent van gul in that and all of that other stuff and like didn't they also say like they wanted to be easier for kids and to understand and that's why they didn't want the supernatural stuff i don't know because what see the kids (laughs) The kids are simultaneously not going to care about the continuity, but also care about the continuity a lot. So if they watch the Scooby-Doo movie where it says that ghosts aren't real, and then immediately after there's one that ghosts are real, me after that, a ghosts aren't real, then they're going to start making their own Scooby timelines. And this is, the, I, I've just found out Cassidy's origin story. Hi. <laughs> so I do have, like, a, a timeline that I wrote a while back. It was only <laughs> for the this television movie set shows. It on fire? Um... Well, so that's the thing, right? Is that I don't even really fully understand the timeline that I wrote anymore. Because that was like three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) I know Um, there were splits. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. This is the only timeline ever designed that goes back uh, to the beginning of the timeline. Halfway through. (laughs) We got got past present Scooby-Doo and present future Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So, basically... I don't know how accurate any of this stuff is to what I think anymore. Um, but I did have it designed was like, okay, so some a lot of the early Scooby-Doo stuff comes out and then it hits Mystery Incorporated, which then loops back to pup named Scooby-Doo because the, the universe gets reset. <laughs> and so then I have that come back down to Mystery Incorporated to where that ends and then pick up with some other other shows because of the way Coolsville exists or maybe doesn't exist. It's very... Anyways. <laughs> Hi. It's very strange. You're just trying to get me to say that I think Coolsville doesn't exist in this timeline. <laughs> uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll attempt to put these movies in a timeline. 
Um, and it won't be 100% accurate because I'll only go based on my memory of what happens in the movies. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, oh, also, so in this movie, there's like, they go to, actually, I can just bring that up later. I can bring that later up when it comes up in the in the movie. So I guess it's time to finally talk about the movie and for me sure. to stop rambling about reading <laughs> Wikipedia pages. <laughs> yes. We begin with sepia-toned footage of woodland creatures running off as two men arrive in the middle of the woods with the chest of demons. One of these men is Vincent Van Gogh, and he uses the chest to seal a large demon chasing them. The other man is revealed to be Mortifer, uh, Vincent's friend. They have finally caught all 13 ghosts, but they are surrounded by more of evil's minions. Mortifer, uh, in a desperate attempt to get Vincent to take the chest and run, uses magic to distract all of the evildoers while Vincent runs off, and then Mortifer is, like, hyper-destroyed. He it's falls like into he... a bush, and a bunch of demons fly into the bush, and then it evaporates. Yeah, he's, like, eaten? Question mark? He and the bush are removed from existence. Exactly. He no longer exists in this timeline. Uh, and then we do the intro where Maurice LaMarche does his Vincent Van Gogh voice and does a rhyming recap of the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so I want to talk about uh, the Vincent Van Gogh voice because I, for the first time, I've gone back and listened to what the original Vincent Van Gogh voice was done by Vincent Price. Mm. Um, and Maurice LaMarche's is very accurate, but only to the voice that Vincent Price did for Vincent Van Gogh doing like the rhyming recap intro mm. of like the first mm. episode. Uh, and then like after that, like it's just not quite the same. But, like, it's very accurate to that one specific part. Yeah. Um, oh, I should also say, because I went back and watched it, um, I feel like, uh, I don't want to say this is what they did, because for all I know, they could have done all of their research, um, like, actually in depth and taken notes. But um, I feel like with the knowledge that I have from reading the Wikipedia page on the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo and having watched the first episode, I could have written all of the crossover stuff that's in this movie. <laughs> I feel like that's all the information you need to have. Mm. Anyways, so intro ends. Intro, like we said before, like references all the 13 ghost stuff. Mm-hmm. We and- uh, open up on a chase sequence with a screaming uh, Farmer Morgan, which is kind of off-putting because I don't think a screaming character when being chased has ever happened. Yeah. It's also like <laughs> never been just chasing like a regular man. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fred is a little weird, kind of a jerk, a little bit. Um, but they yeah, he's eventually... like excessively leaning into the leadership role. Yeah. Um, aside... yeah. <laughs> this is what the film's about, kids. Before that, he's like, "No, we can't run up this moving escalator. It's not safe." <laughs> yeah. Can't even walk it. You gotta be careful. Once Farmer Morgan is caught, uh, they try to demask him. But it doesn't work because he's not wearing a mask. Oh, you you are skipping past um, the the first yeah, a few important Daphne. Bits that I want to talk about too. <laughs> Daphne oh, yeah? does take like a, a minor control of leadership because she's like, "All right, Fred, we've cornered him into this like store. We should like trap the door, right?" And he's like, "I I think I know when I want to do a trap, and now is not the time for a trap." It's very and so point. she does a There's... trap anyways. Yeah, and there's also Fred says that, like, a true leader 
The real trick of leadership is seeing the whole situation from above, like at the top of a human pyramid. And then Scooby just comes behind him and sniffs and then points out the toy shop where the guy ran into, which made me write down, oh, so is Scooby the real leader? <laughs> Scooby does a lot of sniffing things out in this movie, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so once... But the, yes. Then, yeah, they, they try to unmask Farmer Morgan, but it's just his face. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out, does this sheriff have a name? I didn't write uh, it down. Nope. It's just, just called the sheriff. The sheriff. Yeah, the um, sheriff. Because I don't want to ruin the surprise for why when we get to October. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wait. Is he, is he the, are we out here and he's the sheriff? So, he, like I said, this is a trilogy of movies that have an overarching plot. Okay. The sheriff is in all of them. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> That, also, that makes sense. Considering what he says to them, it seemed like an overarching plot that I was missing out on. Cause I yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at the beginning of Zombie Island, he's there and he's like, I told you kids not to solve mysteries. And then he also shows up in Louisiana for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, also, part of the trap was the farmer runs into Shaggy and Scooby because they stop for hot pretzels. So the guy is like handcuffed in a hot pretzel. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that detail. Good. I was like, isn't this mall supposed to be closed? Why are the pretzels still out? <laughs> For maybe maybe it was uh, abandoned, like in an emergency kind of thing. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, there was a staged ghost haunting that we don't know anything about. Maybe everybody just ran off and the building got quarantined. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, no, because isn't it getting sold? Or no, 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 I, no. no. They're so... buying more land for the mall. Right. But yes, so the sheriff's like, yeah, he's he's just the farmer because the person who staged the haunting was the uh, mall's owner, Mrs. Mulville. <laughs> yeah, um, and the gang's like, yeah, so we just thought it was someone disguised as Farmer Morgan because Farmer Morgan wouldn't want to sabotage the situation because he's selling half his land to the mall, and if the mall was stopped from existing, then he wouldn't get paid for the land. Um, but for some reason, it was the mall's owner. Um, and we don't learn why she did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wiki that I was reading, the fandom wiki, was like, maybe it's because she didn't want to have to pay for the land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. So this opening sequence brings up an interesting idea because the gang are shocked that they were wrong about They're this. never wrong. They're never wrong. And it's like, that is an interesting plot idea of what if the gang ends up being wrong for whatever reason it's never addressed again yeah yeah you'd think it would like i feel like if you're gonna write a movie about that it's gonna be one of those where like it shocks the gang into not acting like themselves yeah for half the movie yeah i mean that does happen to fred here but for a different reason yeah um there's a really great line here that Miss uh Ms. Mar- Malvo says is that she would have gotten away with it too if the Sherrod ha- have left it to the these meddling kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh the sheriff accuses all of them of being criminally negligent and that if they were 18 cuz they're almost 18, they're not quite 18 yet, um then they he would be able to put them in jail for harassment charges. Or um that the farmer could sue them for harassment, I think. Yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. Do There's it, only one mystery time. solver in this town. He wears a badge and a cool hat. And shoots Mrs. Malvo with the trank dart. Yeah. Yep. Um, really just like a rough look, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the gang asks uh, Farmer Morgan why he was running away. 
Apparently he's afraid of teenagers. Mm-hmm. Teenagers scare the living out of me. <laughs> so the next day, they're oh, holding... Oh, so the, the sheriff does say, like, you're not allowed to solve mysteries anymore. Oh, and yes. if I ever see you drive a single mile on that mystery machine again, I'm locking you up. And that one, that last one, that doesn't seem like it's within his uh, yeah, jurisdiction. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> He could he do the the cop thing of just manifesting a charge out of thin air. Yeah. Yep. yeah. But no, I guess he's allowed to force Fred to sell his lover, the mystery <laughs> machine. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll, we'll learn more about what this sheriff and his motivations are come October. Oh no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Boy, God. am I glad that we're out here and you guys are in there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I can't wait for us to get to October and Lava not have any knowledge of what I'm talking about. I do not have any knowledge, and I appreciate that for now. You're, no, it's gonna. No, I meant that you're gonna forget everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That that too. That that's also, a given. Also, it's only two episodes away. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like two. So that's months. two months. It's almost three months. Um. Anyways, they're doing a garage sale of all their old mystery stuff. Yeah. Fred has sold the mystery machine. Velma says, like, hey, there's, like, actually no reason for us to hesitate in retiring, because we've already closed all our cases. And as she's saying this, a guy in a Hawaiian shirt that we will see later, but we do not know his name yet, uh, pulls out a crystal ball and is like, hey, how much for this crystal ball? Sounding like um, Bartok the Magnificent. <laughs> um, and then immediately Shaggy, Scooby, and Daphne are like, mm, actually, maybe put that away. We don't want anything to do with that. Um, and, like, Shaggy or Scoopy or both bump into him, and then he, uh, drops the ball, and then it starts glowing, and we hear Vincent Van Gogh talk to them, and he's like, he's Shaggy, Scoopy, Daphne, months. I've been trying to get a hold of you for months, yes. Also, just before this, when Scooby and Shaggy are relaxing, they say one of the best things about being retired is that they don't have to wear year-round fancy attire. <laughs> <laughs> they are wearing fancier clothes than usual, to be to be clear. I like the they are dressed in Hawaiian shirts. I like the indication that uh, Shaggy has come to see his green shirt and brown pants as fancy at- as formal fancy attire, and for Scooby, well, yeah. fancy attire is just nude. His collar. His he is a dog. Yeah, because Shaggy wears fancy. the red shirt when he's on vacation. Oh yeah, <laughs> Scooby gets less fancy the more clothes he wears. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he's like, I, I found the, I've been found by the 13th ghost and I need you to come help me so we can finally seal him in the chest of demons. Scooby is an ever nude. (laughs) (laughs) Scooby is an ever nude. Uh, Um, I didn't just say that out of nowhere. Tanner's asked the question in the chat. (laughs) Um, but he ends the call after saying he needs them to come help them seal the ghost in the chest of demons and Fred and Vilma are like, what? Uh, what is this? And Shaggy's like, listen, Daphne, we said we'd never talk about this. <laughs> uh, and then Daphne explains the, con- explains the concept of the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo offscreen. This week, Velma has decided that monsters are not real. Yes. Mm-hmm. Velma is extremely skeptical and will remain so. Yes, and the other two weren't there because they were away at camp. But, according to the wiki, because this is not something I knew, previously, before the 13th Ghost of Scooby-Doo... Uh, it was written that I think Velma went to go work at NASA and then I forget the other thing that uh, Fred, I think Fred became a mystery writer. Something like that. 
Um, and that's why they weren't there. But here it's just they went to camp. Isn't that just what happens in uh, uh, Zombie Island? No, because Velma goes to work at a, a bookstore slash as oh. a writer. Um, and Fred was the cameraman for Daphne's show. Gotcha. I might be somehow conflating it with the other um, continuity where the gang splits up and have different jobs. And instead, it's Fred who has the book. Yeah, Fred is a writer uh, in Scooby-Doo 2002. Yeah. I forget the name of his funny book. It's an autobiography. Yeah. It has got his face on it. <laughs> the many faces of me. Uh, that's what the, That's what the tagline was. <laughs> oh Fred. Um anyways, um they go see. on their journey. Oh wait, no. Uh They say they never <laughs> talk about the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo because it was traumatizing for Scooby. Um and then Daphne does an outfit change. She she pulls out uh her like shirt that she wore sometimes in the show. She had like a couple of different outfits from the show. Um, and her biker look that she has going on here with, like, the purple leather jacket is, like, reminiscent of the jumpsuit that she would wear sometimes. Um, and then when she redoes her hair, the first hairstyle is literally the hairstyle from the show. And then she, like, does it again to make it look better. Nice. Yeah. I wish I had that power. <laughs> it's a very yeah. powerful, like, ability. Yeah. Uh, Daphne reveals a very fancy red van that apparently she has the entire oh. time yeah so when they go to the to the garage shaggy and scooby are covered in sports pads because they are afraid of literal death uh and fred's like well i would love to help but we don't have a mystery machine anymore and daphne's like no i have this here um it's not a van it's a red st strategic all-terrain mobile command unit that isn't called the mystery machine but the mystery machine is a better name um according to her it has like a stylized line that could be read as an mm on the side i'm just gonna call it red for the rest of my notes mm -hmm. yeah good plan <laughs> uh fred gets into drive cannot drive stick so then <laughs> daphne starts driving relatable um, and mostly just takes over the leadership role as they head out is the mystery machine automatic i well, it must it. be if fred can't drive stick it must be yeah to be fair, later it's less that he that he can't not drive stick, and more that he thought the e e brake was the clutch. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere, somewhere who actually knows about automatic and and standard transmission is crying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Velma spends the entire trip reading the Grand Tome while Fred sleeps. And she's like, "What a Grand Tome this is! This is barely eight hundred pages, and most of that's the index." And Daphne just is like, Velma. <laughs> End sentence. Velma, period. Tersely. And Velma's like, but it's just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> like, she knew what was about to happen. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but according to what she's read, uh, you know, first rule of the chest of demons is that it can only be opened by the living. And she's like, that's true. And it is true. It's in the first episode. Um... The last, the thirteenth ghost, and the one that they will be after is Asmodeus, the king of demons. Um, and as Shaggy explains to Velma that the reason that they've always been scared of ghosts is because they fought twelve of the real thing, um, which sort of like is like a, it's the same vibe as all of our thoughts about Shaggy being a magic user. Yeah. 
And then a car accelerates behind them. It appears out of nowhere. Um, it's mysterious. And it, it, it sneaks up behind them. And goes to like almost random before Daphne starts taking evasive maneuvers. Um, but then it does. Yeah, still she catch tells up Scooby and, and Shaggy, get over to the weapons terminal. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is a weapons terminal. Yeah, in the like back. this is James Bond's Aston uh, It's just a, a big old supercomputer. And Fred's just like, it's got it's got defense mechanisms? You got oil slicks on this thing? Wacky racer. But this mysterious ghost car with six wheels and green smoke, um, is undeterred and uh rams them a few times and like after one point it disappears into the to the smoke screen they lay down but then it comes back around in front of them from around the mountain um and so daphne throws the whole uh vehicle in reverse and just drives off a cliff as uh she pulls a lever and as like crashes into the water the car leaves before red comes back up with a duck raft attached and a squeaky and noise sound effect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's a lot of inflatable ducks in the first two episodes of uh 13 ghosts of scooby-doo huh. hmm. like in the first episode before they even like get like on their way to the himalayas you know when like the plane is crashing or whatever uh Scooby goes to pull his parachute and instead of a parachute a giant inflatable duck comes out <laughs> <laughs> like not really a reason it just happens Weird. um but yeah so the 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 red is on a duck raft that heads down the river to Van Gool Manor. Uh, they get there. It's Vincent Van Gool's spooky winter home. The door was already open. Fred and Daphne step on each other's toes about taking charge before Daphne hands Fred the Scoopy snacks. Is like, here, you go convince Shaggy and Scooby with them. Uh, and Shaggy and Scooby say they learned to haggle from Flim Flam, which is the first the other two have ever heard about Flim Flam. And Fred's just like, look. I'm going to say one, you're going to say three, we're going to settle for two, so here you go. It just, like, bypasses all of it. And then Scooby uh, so says, thanks, Daphne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all go inside. Shaggy and Scooby and Velma all head in one direction following Scooby's nose, while Fred and Daphne follow the glow of the crystal ball like it was a homing beacon. Uh, this leads Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma to the kitchen, where, you know, Shaggy and Scooby are obviously raiding it, while Velma figure out, figures out the mechanics for why the windows keep rattling. Um, Scooby sees something spooky in a pantry. Mm-hmm. When Velma goes to investigate, she finds a speaker that plays howling wind noises in there. Um, and then she has Scooby lead them to where it leads to. Instead of leading them to anywhere, like, that would make sense it's just a couple mice outside the window we'll get to that in a second meanwhile fred and daphne find a library without vincent van gool in it daphne finally calls red a van fred's like hey that was you said it was a van and daphne's like yeah of course it's a van i just didn't want you to feel like i was moving in on your turf which i am doing to be clear (laughs) like she does clarify that she that is what she is doing yep (laughs) i'm in charge now because i've done this before which, and, you know, it makes sense. And Fred's just like, well, now I don't know what I should be doing. And then he accidentally finds a secret passageway. You know, like Daphne normally does. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scooby sniffs the speaker and it does lead them to a window where the mice are barking. Um, and I want to say it does secretly make sense, Lava, because Velma then acti- accidentally activates a trap door that drops them straight down. Mm-hmm. 
uh and that takes them to where they'll be in a second where the guy is so maybe it just wafted up the the slides that are underneath this trap door that they go down gotcha fred and daphne end up in a central tomb room as velma shaggy and suvi crash in from above they find vincent van gogh tied up and gagged in one of like the tombs on the ground Vincent is like, hey, it's great to see everybody. Also, Asmodeus is here. There he is. He flies in from the shadows. He laughs. He throws fireballs. He's big spooky Satan man. Mm-hmm. He looks like pink Chernabog. Yeah. 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 That's what I think. There's that's something about, about how his eyes are animated that actually makes me think of um, Cupman. Is that what it is? Cutman from Mega Man? Mugman. Mugman. Cuphead. Cuphead. There we go. There's that there's a kind of vibe to how his face is animated that makes me think of the villains of that particular video game. Mm, I could see that. So he flies in, laughs, he throws fireballs. Vince is like, "All right, open the chest and put him in it." And Shaggy's like, "All right, where's the chest?" And he's like, "Well, I gave it to you." And Shaggy's like, "Well, I mailed it back once school started." And he's like, well, did you mail it here? No, I ma- mailed it to your house in the Himalayas. Well, that wasn't my house. That was just an Airbnb. He calls it an Airbnb because Vincent Van Gogh likes doing silly puns. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's, it's throughout this entire movie. Um, I mostly ignore them, but I remember what most of them are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vincent then uh, throws up his cloak in protection as Modius blasts the entire room with fire before disappearing to find the chest. Uh, Van Gogh then is like, hey, um... Here's the, here's the situation with the chest. Me and my friend Mortifer, we went to King Solomon's private vault. We broke in there, and when we broke in there, we accidentally broke the lock on the on the chest, releasing all the ghosts. And then we went and caught all the ghosts, and then Mortifer died. And Velma still doesn't believe him. Yeah, and Shaggy's like, hey, th- these portraits in the house that look kind of like you don't really look like you that much. But that that'll kind of come up later. Technically. Velma doesn't believe in ghosts still, as you mentioned, and then they have to go to the Himalayas, so they get into their spooky seaplane that Vincent Van Gogh has. <laughs> this is a pretty funny bit here of mm-hmm. being... Fred's like, listen, see Daphne, I don't mind not being the one driving as long as there's a professional behind the wheel. And Daphne's like, all right. Okay, rolls her eyes and go say hi to the pilot then. And so Fred <laughs> walks up to the to the pilot's area, and it's Shaggy. Yep. <laughs> also, Scooby Sha- is the flight attendant, mm-hmm. and he's gone full dressed in drag like Bugs Bunny. He he yes. gives Fred a cran apple soda, and then he asks if he wants cookies or uh, peanuts. And Fred says, "Can I have one of each?" And Scooby just gives him a death glare. Oh boy. And then just drops them on the floor in front of him. <laughs> I truly appreciate Scooby being fully in character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like this is, this is a thing that happened in the first episode is that Shaggy was flying the plane in that episode. Oh, that's funny. And it was like a similar sized like seaplane-ish look. Because they were on their way to Hawaii mm-hmm. for vacation. Mm-hmm. And they somehow ended, and they up... ended up in the Himalayas. Yeah. That's a big well, whoops. Scooby had grabbed the, Scooby had grabbed the wrong map. He grabbed the map to the Himalayas. Oh god. That's like taking that a wrong turn happened. at Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways, so uh 
Velma asked Vincent Van Gogh about like, hey, so the shutters and the speakers. And he's like, well, of course, that was my security system. It scares everyone away. Uh, but ghosts are real. Trust me. I, I believe them wholeheartedly. And you should, too. And then everyone goes to sleep. They just take a little nap. Um, as they get there, we see the haunted temple um, from above. This is the temple from the first episode of the show. Um, in, in this version, though, you can see that there's a little courtyard from above that Daphne points out she didn't know was there because they were busy crashing a plane on that time. So they land and Vincent Beggle's like, OK, I called the Airbnb host or sorry, he sends a scream mail. Uh, and the the host says that it was never delivered. I have I have uh, the whole quote. <laughs> yes, please hit me with that delicious quote. Daphne, my air boo and boo host just sent a sc- uh, my air boo and boo host just scream mailed me back on my die phone. The package from Shaggy was never delivered by the ghostal service. And like, there's a beat as everyone looks at him. What one too many puns? And then Velma says three four too, many. too many, maybe four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good bit and he does a dramatic face whenever he says the pun <laughs> there are there are a couple bits later where like other people are like see him like giving them like a, a hopeful look and they like big sigh and just say the ghost pun <laughs> yeah Daphne does that and it's adorable um but yeah so they, they're in the village area and so we're in this village and at no point while they're in the village, does anyone mention that this village used to be cursed to that way all of the people in it turned into werewolves? Oh. <laughs> okay. That's important information that was never mentioned. Yeah, yeah. The the beginning of the uh, the intro where there's werewolves chasing them, that's from just like everybody in this town used to be a werewolf. Jeez. Because uh, they were cursed because um, originally, uh, in the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, the people of this town were the ones that, like, you know, either back forever ago, generations, uh, had come together to collect all the ghosts into the chest of demons. Hmm. But for this movie, it gets re-attributed uh, to Vincent Van Gogh and his friend Mortifer. Anyways, where was I on my notes? Um, apparently the place has been deserted because of a demon infestation. Yes, they've been evacuated out of town, and Shaggy is like, hey... Um, that guy looks familiar over there at the, uh, the Yak Gert stand. <laughs> um, and it's the guy in the Hawaiian shirt and Fred's like, oh yeah, his name's Bernie Allen. He, uh, he tried to pay with a check that bounced. My name is Bernie Allen and I'm the fastest man alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big, uh, that's definitely what I, I was thinking the whole time. Every time I was like, why does that name sound so familiar? Oh, that's why. I, I just figured out why I thought it sounded familiar right as we were talking. <laughs> uh, Bernie sees uh, Shaggy and Scooby take off towards the temple. Or sees Shaggy and Scooby and then takes off towards the temple, rather. Yes. Uh, and Daphne's like, all right. Here's where uh, everyone should go. Now I'm going to take Vincent and Shaggy and Scooby and we're going to go chase down that guy and do our whole back in the day thing while you and Velma go take the van down to town and see if the package was kept at the ghostal service. Yes. <laughs> or no, sorry. She so the, the, the pun that she makes there is the scare package. That's what it was. <laughs> of course. The dead letter office mail goes in 
and it never comes out. <laughs> Sorry, force of havoc. Habit. <laughs> the force of havoc joke was very funny. It was so good. <laughs> it was so subtle too. Vincent Van Gogh is just a good character. Yeah. He's like yeah. a good good time in Mystery Incorporated. Um seems like he'd probably be all right in 13 ghosts of scooby there's a point in the like the second episode of 13 ghosts of scooby-doo where the gang tries to call him up on the crystal ball and it's just a sign that says out to lunch (laughs) (laughs) like we get confirmation that he had to put the sign up for it to show up like that it's very funny (laughs) uh anyways so post office is indeed deserted um so they just head into the back and start looking in the dead letters section, uh, and there's a cloak figure that's watching them. Bernie is checking his map at a sign. The sign is literally in the first episode. <laughs> like, when I say they just needed to reference the first episode, they literally just, like, copied the exact layout and, like, all of the, like, geographical references from that first episode. Jeez. Nice. They did a pretty good job of that. But he's, he's at the sign, you know, one way points to the village one way points to the temple and he's checking his map um while the others are sort of watching shaggy and scooby like hey uh van gul like just cast a spell on him to make him tell the truth and we can ask him stuff um but then the guy disappears because they hear a noise and the noise is the ghost car and it keeps revving and it starts an avalanche so they run away red confides in velma in the post office that he doesn't know what his role is after he tried uh he's like tries cheering her on because she's like i don't know if we can find the package in all of this mess uh and then a package falls over and Velma's like hey fred don't walk into that it's probably a trap and he's like it's not a trap i would know a trap and then he walks into a trap yep yep, <laughs> yep. and we see a teen in a yellow hoodie jump out and he has a face off with Velma before we cut to them checking the package registry the package they were looking for was here until just this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say the word chest of demons and our yellow jacketed friend here says, well, why didn't you just say so? And then drags them out the back. Vincent, Shaggy, Scooby, and Daphne get caught in the avalanche for a bit, but then they keep getting out uh, as they head down the mountain. It's very, like, very cartoon, Looney Tunes, like, um, physics stuff happening here. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, this feels weirdly out of place with the tone of this movie. And no, it's because that's what the tone of the original show was. Mm-hmm. See, I saw this and I thought that this was just, they did this instead of any kind of chase sequence. and But then they did a, like a chase sequence later anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, they, they eventually get away from it and they ended up at the temple. But then the car sits off another avalanche and then Daphne makes a sled out of a nearby sign and they head towards the temple. And they're like, okay, Vince, you need to cast a spell to open the door before we run into it. Um, but then they get caught up in the snow and smashed against the wall. Uh, we'll see them again in a second as Yellow Jacket, um, who I keep not giving the name of because it is a surprise when it is revealed. Uh, but if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, he's referred Yellow- to as Benny a few times. Yes. Um, we'll get to that in a second, actually, because he takes them into a place called the Realm of Darkness, which is a gift shop. And Velma sees something that looks like the chest of demons and opens it. And there's this big reveal, but it's just a cooler. Yes, with a lot of mist and lasers beaming out of it. Yeah, for the full immersion package. Um, And they're like, oh, we're looking for the real one. And he's like, well, are you ghost hunters? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, if you're ghostbusters or ghost hunters, come with me. 
Uh, and he takes him to a back room. It's like all teched out with a bunch of gadgets. Uh, and he hits him with the say you got trouble with a capital T. Uh, and rhymes his commercial at them for Benny's Monster Store. So was this supposed to be a riff on the Music Man? So it's the thing is, it, one, it is, but also it is a riff on his first appearance in the show where he does this exact kind of spiel to the townsfolk about his, um, as we see later, what is it called? What's Lots it called? of luck What's joy called? juice? Lots of luck joy juice. Okay. Um, he like hits, he gives the town that spiel and song and dance number type thing. It's not like a full like song number. It's like just sort of like, you know, rhyming with no music backing it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's very much supposed to ape that, I think. Yeah, because I... Because, you know, it, it's still kind of like con artisty. I watched the spiel and then I went and I looked up, like, the beginning of the song, like, Trouble with a Capital T from Music Man. And then I went back and listened to this and it's like, the, the, these are similar, but, like, the, the cadence is different and the backing music is different. But I feel there's something that, there's something in there connecting these. It's like a reference, not like a parody. Yeah. Uh, and he shows Fred an off-road segue, and Velma turns uh, him down almost immediately as they leave. And Fred's like, I mean, I still don't have a role. I couldn't even do background antics right. You see me on that segue in there? That's nothing. And Velma, literally the only positive thing Velma can think to say about Fred right now is that he's honest. Yeah. <laughs> nice. By faint praise. Uh, and then film was like, listen, no one, nothing's going to grab us. Nothing can nab us. We're not going to get nabbed. And then she immediately gets nabbed. And then Fred also gets nabbed after finding Thelma's glasses on the ground. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the other four are exploring the temple. Yes. Uh, they managed to get around. inside because the, the door just broke. Luckily. Yeah. They see a lit candle off in the distance. Um, and then suddenly Asmodeus shows up. And he's carrying a package. Yes. yes. And he, he breaks into, like, a secret hidden passage that Daphne, like, runs behind and keeps propped up with a branch, so that way they can all run in behind. Yeah. And a sheet of paper falls off the package that Asmodeus is carrying, and Daphne looks at it, and it's a letter that Shaggy had attached to the package. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then we get a chase sequence. Sort of. Yeah, it's like a, a quick montage of Daphne just, like, jumping in to grab the chest, and then, uh, a chest grabbing a chase between Asmodeus and Shaggy and Scooby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funky. It has banger music. It does. It's it's like Scooby the song. Stition. The song's um melody, the instrumentation, is clearly a riff on Thriller, but the yeah. lyrics are different enough that it, like has its completely own identity. And like the lyrics almost sort of invoke uh superstitious or whatever. It's superstition. It, whatever that song I kind of got a bit yeah. more of a disco vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's funky. <laughs> Um, but, like, it sort of ends with Asmodeus bringing the chest into a room where Shaggy and Scooby are disguised as monks who guide Asmodeus into a meditation so they can grab the chest and take off. Uh, and then Asmodeus turns into a demonic bulldozer. This appears in the first episode of 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh my god. We don't, like, in that you don't really see Asmodeus, but, like, when the chest originally gets opened, all of, like, the dark energy comes out and then manifests as this demonic bulldozer steamroller thing and like just charges out of the temple and off into the distance um i was not expecting that to be a reference but it sure was <laughs> um they get back to where they started at the at the front of the temple but scooby can't dig through the snow because it's been iced over 
they look to Vincent to hit them with a spell, but he's like, hey, I haven't been able to cast a spell since Asmodeus showed up. A thing that doesn't really come up again later uh, at all, because... Yeah. Also, I... I, I did, I got distracted by something. So there's one other thing I wanted to say during the scene when uh, Asmodeus is stuck in, like, the room with Scooby and Shaggy doing the monk things, that why did he go along with it? That's Shaggy and Scooby's Cartoon superpower. Logic. That's just a classic uh, Shaggy and Scooby thing. Yeah, it's just, listen, I'm, I'm happy to not question a lot of things. It is Scooby-Doo after all. But this one, I was just thinking, why? why, why? <laughs> yeah. I think it's because the air of the rest of the movie didn't lend itself well to it yeah, as a thing that could happen. And like, that's just sort of, that is, I think that's literally their superpower is that once they're in a costume, they can make you believe anything. They're magic. Yeah. Also, I don't know if those are like hats or traditional garb for Tibetan monks because they did look like Roman centurions. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought that it was like, oh, that doesn't, is that, is that real? I haven't looked it up, so I don't know if it's real or not. But, um, but yeah, so Vincent Van Gogh cannot cast spells because normally he's a great sorcerer, but now he just can't do it. Um, Ever since Warner... the movie started and Warner Brothers said that the magic cannot be explicit, I haven't been able to cast magic. Just wait until the rest, late at the end of the movie where he can just do magic no problem and no one talks about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he tries it one last time at Daphne's insistence, but nothing happens. So he just slams his crystal ball at Asmodeus's feet and it explodes. Um, and Daphne, Shaggy, and Scooby all wake up outside and Vincent's like, hey, I got the spare orb, so I'm going to call you on it. Um, I got the chest. I'm going to end everything. Goodbye. And then Fred and Velma just fall down above them. Uh, Fred and Velma are weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Velma is disoriented and is like, I can see everything. <laughs> everything. Ghosts are real. It's all been true. Honey, you have a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> Something is yeah, wrong. Yeah, this is like when Lisa got drunk at Duffland. <laughs> Daphne's like, well, I guess it's all over. The chest is gonna get opened and we can't get in there to stop it. And I'm sitting here thinking... Hey, um, isn't the first rule of the chest is that only the living can open the chest? Shh, they can't remember that now. It's This is the dramatic moment. Yes, it's the time for Fred to see that everyone is down. And he gives everyone an inspiration talk, and he reveals that he went to cheerleading camp over break. Uh, and he's found his role with the team as the one who believes in everyone else. And he does a very scrappy-doo cheer. Oh, God. It's so scrappy-doo. Um, and Daphne's like, oh... I have a moment of clarity. You saying something about seeing things from above has made me think about uh, something that I pointed out at the beginning of the movie. So we're all going to head to the airport, except for Fred and Velma, who's who are going to take Red back to town. Velma finds her spare glasses and teaches Fred how to drive a stick because he kept hitting the e-brake instead of the clutch. Yep. <laughs> uh, and they end up back at the shop and take one of everything. And our salesman friend here is shocked when he hears the words 13 ghosts. Uh, Shaggy takes Scooby and Daphne up in a seaplane and they skydive into the courtyard. The autopilot lands the plane. Shaggy does say a very funny pilot joke of the the autopilot is unavailable right now because it's engaged. (laughs) Just a little pilot humor for you all. (laughs) I like pilot Shaggy. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) So Fred and Velma take the shopkeeper in red up towards the temple. Shopkeep knows how to read red's defense systems because the, uh, they encountered the ghost car. 
And he says this isn't his first time in a strategic all-terrain command unit. Uh, foreshadowing who this man is. Yes. Uh, they encounter the ghost car. They go left onto a snowbank and he activates a sled so that way Red can drive on snow. And then activates a bunch of countermeasures that cause the ghost car to wreck. And that he'll get them into the temple also. Daphne, Shaggy, and Scooby are all inside the temple. Scooby has his parachute still and that'll be important because Vincent is down below them taunting Asmodeus saying that only the living can open the chest and Daphne gets an idea to help Vincent while the shopkeep melts the snow from in front of the door so Fred and Velma can head inside. Um, People looking closely will realize that he has melted the snow with a bottle of lots of luck joy juice. I do think it's neat that they actually had like the label on the bottle (laughs) during that scene even though you can barely see it. Someone is singing in the hallways of my building. Huh. Huh. What are they singing? Just in case you hear that come through on my track. But what are they singing, though? I have no idea. Oh. Anyways, Fred and Velma head inside with the (laughs) the shopkeep. Vincent does some monologuing at Asmodeus, and they talk about how Mortifer died. (laughs) Again. Um, Scooby then shows up. He's covered in his parachute, pretending to be the 14th ghost, and you can tell that it's just Scooby stacked on the other shoulders. Um, and Vincent's like, that's going to be a problem. So I'm just going to tackle Asmodeus and as, but by doing so, he drops the chest and Asmodeus grabs the chest and is chased by Vincent out of that room. Just as Fred and Velma show up with the shopkeeper and they see the stack of ghosts and Velma's about to tack it with the vacuum suck, which is just like a, a handheld vacuum cleaner, but on like a rifle stock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the others then remove the disguise and they're like, Hey, Flimflam, what are you doing here? And Flimflam's like, oh, hey, it's everybody. Everybody's here except for Scrappy. And then no one <laughs> comments on that other than Velma saying, what's a Scrappy? You know nice well what a Scrappy is. <laughs> oh, you my do. God. Uh, but, I mean, I'm kind of glad the movie didn't do much more than that, because like, I feel like if they were going to extend any reference to that, they would just uh, do the thing that I hate. Um, they go they further in. They living with Flimflam. Hey guys, I've been with Flim Flam the whole time. Hey, it's Uncle Scoob. Anyways, goodbye. Or just have him show up secretly at the end of the movie. <laughs> okay, we'll get to it. Um, anyways, uh, they, they see Vincent. He's injured, and he explains that the portrait in the castle was of his ancestor, one of the most powerful sorcerers ever, but he became corrupted. And the powers of good trapped him in a chest, and Ozimod Van Gul became Asmodeus. Asmodeus um, is there, and he's got his chest... Uh, and then he opens the chest and it smells bad. And Velma's about to attack Asmodeus with the vacuum gun, but then he's she's like, hey, wait a minute. And the first rule of this chest is that it can only be opened by the living. And then Asmodeus is like, what? Uh-oh. Closes the chest and runs away. And Daphne's like, alright, let me see that gun. And just sucks him back into the room with it. Um, and also sucks up the mask. Revealing Mortimer! Mortimer! Vincent is shocked because he saw Mortifer die with his own eyes. And Mortifer was like, "'Twas only an illusion. I wanted that chest, so I, tr- I the warlock, twi- tricked the great wizard." Um, and he calls the uh, calls the chest a priceless artifact. But then uh, here's how Bernie can still win. <laughs> he shows up and he's like, a "Priceless artifact? Then where'd you come up with ten million dollars?" That's your asking price, isn't it? 
uh, and then Bernie reveals removes his disguise, revealing that his name is Vance Linklater, and he's an Interpol detective. And then he uh, has his agents. Go ahead. I I str- out loud I said, "Who the hell are you?" When that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's anybody. I don't think so. Why do they have to make him two people? Yeah, they could have just had him be Bernie Allen. Yeah. I also he, like don't know why he has to look so different. Because he's he's basically Uncle Max from Ben Ten, and then he takes off his disguise. Like, hello, I'm Vance Linklater, Interpol agent and amateur figure skater. And like he says that he was in town because he was going to go do some like a skating competition, but he was still in disguise as Bernie. Allen. Alan. Yeah, so wh- why? Who and why? And why? <laughs> why? Uh, but anyways, a bunch of agents come in and uh, uh, take Mortifer. And he says, like, I've been trailing this guy for months because he started asking collectors about buying the chest of demons. Uh, and the, ta- the trail had run cold by the time I got to your garage sale. And every time I talk about this guy, I keep slipping into his accent. <laughs> <laughs> He's... He sounds like Peter Lorre, Mortifer does. I, I was talking about Bernie Allen. <laughs> okay, well that too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and that he was just in town because he was going to do figure skating. But luckily, the gang was there. And the gang was like, well, why'd you run from us then? And he's like, because I'm afraid of teenagers. <laughs> uh, the smell and lack of demons from the chest is revealed to be an old sandwich because it turns out Shaggy shipped the wrong chest and had mailed a cooler that he bought off Film Flam. Yep. Uh, Vance tells them they should solve mysteries full time. Daphne gives gets Fred to save the meddling. Er, Daphne gets Fred to get Mortifer to say the meddling kid's line, within a, a funny turn of just like whispering it in his ear. <laughs> uh, and Mortifer is like Vincent. I need to apologize. Why for? Uh, pretending to be my great grandfather or whatever, and he's like, "No, for this." And he magics the cuffs off his own hands and onto Vincent's as he, as the ghost car breaks through the wall and he hops in it and escapes. Um, and then Vincent Van Gogh sort of like turns the cuffs into dust. Yeah, <laughs> and no one talks about it. <laughs> I think that's just the writers being like, "Listen, listen. I know that they want us to make this not magic, but it's magic, all right? It magic." Uh, Daphne says they need to stop him before he causes another avalanche, and then Mortifer is outside revving his car, um, and then a cloud of, and it causes an avalanche that destroys the bridge with him on it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Vincent in the in the smoke coming out of this. Is it steam? Is it smoke? Is it just dust? It's like a snow flurry, something like that. It's like a it's snow steam, um, rising out of the wreckage, and uh, like it. There's like an Asmodeus face, and then it turns into Asamod, who smirks and then evaporates. Um, and then Vilma pulls out, pulls out the great tome and is like, "Listen, so I know it said that Asamod wouldn't rest until he had his revenge, but if you look here, it, this word kind of actually looks like this word. So maybe it was saying that he wouldn't rest until he had his redemption, uh, and he can rest easy now, knowing that he's redeemed himself by making sure his uh, uh, descendant is safe." Uh, and Vincent Van Gogh's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. And Shaggy's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and Scooby kicks him because the movie's supposed to be ending by now. Yep. Mordfer climbs out of the canyon, but then gets grabbed by more Interpol agents. Daphne gives Fred back leadership duties, sort of. 
Flim Flam is confused by Velma's return to skepticism. And she's like, I made all that stuff up to make Vincent feel better. And that the other 12 ghosts were hallucinations from lack of oxygen at such a high altitude, even though all 12 of the other ghosts took place in places that were not in the Himalayas. Exactly. Velma. Velma, you're a terrible scientist this week, Velma. Uh, And she says that she got nabbed earlier by a ski lift and she just didn't see it because of the fog. Um, And the real chest of demons turns out it was in the back of red the whole time with Shaggy's luggage. Uh, and Velma's like, I'm going to prove ghosts aren't real by opening this up. And they're like, hey, um, just in case you are wrong, please don't do that. <laughs> and then Flim Flam gives Shaggy a case of lots of luck joy juice, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, and why Shaggy might want a case of it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, this is what I used to melt the snow earlier. And then Flim Flam decides to stick around in town and not go with them so he can tell the tale of Asmodeus and sell merchandise. The rest of them leave on the seaplane and... Uh, Flim Flam says his famous departing line of so long sports fans also, it is a thing he says at least in the first episode <laughs> also at some point in like the farewells someone says sorry about your friend to Vincent and Vincent says it's alright I can always visit him in the gulag which is supposed to be a pun but gulags are real and th- th- that's not good yeah. Vince. Vincent th- th- <laughs> we-, we shouldn't be putting Bordifer in a gulag for any reason, especially not the what um like architectural rudeness. Vincent, take the L. You just posted Kermit Gulag. <laughs> but yeah, they're going back home on their transatlantic flight. And on the flight back, Daphne, in her last act as leader, calls off their retirement, and she's like, "I don't think that Farmer Morgan guy is as innocent as he seems." And Velma's like, "I know, right." <laughs> Uh, and Scooby's flying the plane this time. Scooby Dooby Doo. So, lots of luck, Joy Juice. I want to talk about this for a second. Um, it's it's multi-purpose. It is it is used as jet fuel at one point, and you could make the case it's probably what it's being used for here, but I don't think so, because the first thing it does is it cures curses. And we don't know if it, how long if it does it permanently. Presumably, it does it permanently. But, you know, like it, it turns all of the vampire, or not vampires, werewolves back into humans in the first episode. But Shaggy is an ex-werewolf. Oh, God. Um, but at the end of Reluctant Werewolf, the movie that I don't like, he does still turn into a werewolf sometimes. So I'm thinking maybe he's just getting this lots of luck joy juice that way he can not be a werewolf all the time. That's my thoughts. Fun thoughts. That's my game theory. <laughs> Anyways, that's the movie. What'd y'all think? I, I talked a lot for that, but um, that's my job <laughs> for this show. It's, it's fine. It's not bad. I did like it. There were a lot of good ideas in it that mm-hmm. I think just stumbled with the execution. Mm-hmm. So after learning that this was like a, like the first movie in the trilogy involving Return to Zombie Island, a movie that does a very bad job of revisiting an old Scooby-Doo property... I was really worried coming into this. Yeah. But I was I was very surprised at how well it, it turned out. And I think a lot of it has to do with because I really liked Daphne being the leader. Yeah, yeah, she did a very good job. Yeah, that that is something I really liked from this. Um, it's not only that she did a good job. It's that it's just like it's it just fits good. It just fits good. Yeah. Well, especially I think it's because 
a lot of people, if you ask them what people's roles are in Mystery Inc., they're going to say, well, Fred's the leader, Velma's the smart ones, Scooby and Shaggy are the silly ones, and Daphne is also there. And so I think giving her a more well-defined role also helps more well-defined Fred's role is that, well, if Daphne is the leader, Fred is still the heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also... Oh, God. I I was going to say, it balanced it very well in this movie because... The thing with the whole Fred not knowing what his role is, it could have been played up a lot more, like yeah. agonizingly so. And I think it was dealt with fairly decently, considering. Big agree. And and I also... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I feel like Daphne has been moving more into the leadership role for a couple years now. Like, I was thinking back to zombie island the og version where she kind of was the take charge person for quite a bit of it right i also like how they they wanted to make it seem like there wasn't the like so the fact that they end on trying to say that magic isn't real even with all the blatant evidence that magic is real is silly but i like the attempts to show that maybe the magic is real or the, yeah. the, the magic isn't real. Like I like I like how they played coy with it and suggested that maybe at least for this ghost that it's a hoax, and then they could have ended with like maybe the thirteenth ghost is still out there, or maybe he he was put to, at peace by uh, by Mortifer falling off a cliff and getting arrested, maybe and, or maybe the Doo's real thirteenth ghost. ghost was Scrappy Doo all along. <laughs> yes. What if Scrappy Doo was the forest ghost in that smoke? <laughs> What if Scrappy Doo was Farmer Morgan? <laughs> that's where he's been hiding in a robot. And that's farmer why suit. he's afraid of teenagers. Exactly. What if Scrappy Doo was secretly uh, as as a mad von Cool? What if Scrappy Doo okay. went back in time, created Gravity Falls, then went back <laughs> further in time? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I was actually very su- pleasantly surprised with this movie. Um, which is good. I, I like to be pleasantly surprised as opposed to the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's put this on the ranking list. Lava has done the fa- done me a favor of already figuring out basically the middle. Yeah. Well, so, we're now at 40 movies on 40 our list. movies. So how does this movie compare to Lego Scooby-Doo Haunted Hollywood? This is a Lego movie where uh, <laughs> they are on a movie set and... Uh, everything's being haunted by the ghost of Boris Karnov. Lindsay, um, this this is the one where you and me reviewed in an alternate dimension. Okay. It's so funny. I watched this like two months ago and I still like drew a blank. Oh, uh, gosh. I don't even remember you guys talking about it. I mean, I know you talked about it. I just don't remember what you said about it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad, I don't think. Yeah, it was fine. It was just a Scooby, like a generic Scooby-Doo experience, but with Lego. Yeah. It's like a little bit more dynamic being like a 3D animated Lego thing as opposed to like a 2D animated thing, but yeah. Well then you know what? Let's let's put this one above it just cuz it is a little bit more twists on the formula. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. How does this speaking of twists on the formula? How does this movie compare to Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed? This is the second live action movie in which guess what? The monsters are real. Worse. Worse than Monsters Unleashed. Y- yeah, yes. I concur. Okay. There's no tar monster in this one. <laughs> Alright, for the sake of this uh, continuing to be comparing Scooby-Doo things, uh, how about we go back to when the source material for this movie would have come out and compare this to Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School? Oh, miles worse. 
Worse I than adore, the ghoul school. I adore ghoul school. I Okay. Yeah, I barely remember ghoul how, school. How does it compare to Scoob? Shaggy goes to hell. Yeah, that's I'm the Scoob respecter. <laughs> Scoob respecter, okay. Lindsay, right. you weren't there for Scoob. You didn't get to see Shaggy go to hell. No. I didn't even know <laughs> and, that was a thing. Whoops. No, it's okay. Lindsay doesn't care about spoilers. You also didn't get to see Silent Cowell show up using basically the same model from Shrek 2. Huh. As <laughs> like a major part of the movie. Yeah. That yeah. is like a fun Easter egg at the end. But also it is a fun Easter egg at the end. Yeah. I mean, all right. How does it compare to Stage Fright? This is the one where there's like 17 different Phantoms of the Opera. Oh, I liked that one better. That one was pretty good. Yeah. And then the next one is Big Top Scooby-Doo. That was the one where there were a bunch of fake-outs, right? No, not like a no, bunch. No, not a bunch of, not fake-outs, red herrings. <laughs> sort of. Um, this is the one where at the end, after they put a guy away, they're like, hey, wait a minute, actually, there was an accomplice. We gotta go back and we gotta get the accomplice. The accomplice is on the train and we have to do a Fast and the Furious train fight. I bet you anything... So we did Big Top Scooby-Doo and Stage Fright back-to-back. And, and they you, are back-to-back you, back you on our list. Confused. I have 100% just combined them as one movie in my head. Well, like, so there's this thing where, like, one of the people who, did, like, pe- turning people into werewolves. Um, and by, like, kidnapping people and then making a werewolf that looks like them. That's right. Okay. I would say it's better. Better than Big Top. Yes. All right, so this goes right in between Big Top and Stage Fright. Yes. All right. Okay, um, that means really uh, Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo could land anywhere on this list, really. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the list from the bottom to the top. Here we go. Monster of Mexico, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers, Return to Zombie Island, Scooby Goes Hollywood, Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights, Samurai Sword, Frank and Creepy, Curse of the Lake Monster, WWE, Curse of the Speed Demon, Alien Invaders, Loch Ness Monster, Legend of the Vampire, Aloha, Scooby-Doo, WrestleMania Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Pirates Ahoy, Lego Scooby-Doo, Haunted Hollywood, Big Top, Curse of the Thirteenth Ghost, Stage Fright, Scoob, Moon Monster Madness, Ghoul School, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, Legend of the Phantasaur, Abracadabra Doo, Daphne and Velma, Kiss Rock and Roll Mystery, Where's My Mummy, Chill Out Scooby-Doo, Goblin King, Witch's Ghost, and Camp Scare. That's the list. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Um, I guess that makes it time for plugs. So, um, how about, uh, where can y'all be found online? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, and that's where you can, where you can get to all my other social media bull cookies. Tanner, where can people find you? (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can find the podcast that me and Lindsay do together on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. 
We are also together on the podcast Pokemon Adventures of the Millennium when our friends Duncan and Ryan also joined in with me DMing a Pokemon tabletop actual play RPG game, actual play podcast game. And that is a cussing podcast. All the podcasts that I'm on are cussing podcasts, so don't let your kids watch them unless they're like really cool. Um, anyways, that podcast can be found on Twitter at PKMN underscore Millennium. And then also with my friend Christina. She's all of our friends here. But specific, you aren't all co-hosts. But me and Christina together, <laughs> as a pair, as a duet, host Loser Like Me, a Glee recap and review podcast. And that can be found on Twitter at LoserLikeMePod. Cassidy was a guest before. Lindsay might be a guest in the future. Lava, I don't know if you have any strong Glee opinions. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, do y'all want to plug stuff that you're not involved with? I have to think of what I've been listening to lately. Um... I've been listening to a uh, book that's being released in podcast format called After the Revolution by uh, Robert Evans of It Could Happen Here and Behind the Bastards. It's real good. And I have been listening. I have that. I have been listening to a podcast called The Eternity Archives, um, which is a anthology actual play series where they they're always playing the same characters, but each week. What, Excuse me. One of them is the uh, GM or whatever equivalent of that, and the others are the players, and their characters are like changed into the closest equivalent for the setting of the RPG. So, like, they started with 5e, but they've gone through uh, Monster of the Week and Lancer and uh, 13th Age and Wheel of Time, which sounded miserable. Um, and right now, when this episode comes out, uh, they probably would have finished Henshin, so they're probably on to the next thing, but it's good. And the episodes, they fly past pretty quickly, so even though they're like 30 episodes in by now, it's pretty easy to get caught up on. Also, it's queer. Cool. Because remember, pride plugs can happen in any month. <laughs> it's true. Pride lasts all year round, as long as you have enough hubris. Yee. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out why our spreadsheet isn't actually counting all of the things on our um, percentage calculator. Because um, I should say 60 now, I think. But it only says 58. So we might have actually been wrong with our numbers for the past little bit. Uh oh. Yeah, that bumps us that bumps us down to eighty two or eighty three percent instead of eighty six. Huh. I'll double check the math on that later. Make sure everything is all uh correct. Cause when I said it's a count one of these uh columns, it just added up to fifty eight. Anyways. Lava, where would you like to be found online? You can find me on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. You can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. And you can find me online. Or sorry, we also have a Discord. If you want in the Discord, just let me know and I'll let you in. Um, it's not like a gated community or anything. I just, I don't want to put a link somewhere. It's just too too much for me. Yeah, that bad idea. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. It's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. I have an out-of-date website somewhere. If you know where to find it, you know where to find it. Um, I do other podcasts. You can find them on there. Or just, just look at my Twitter. I retweet all my stuff all the time anyways. Um, that's it for the show this month, folks. You can catch us next month when we are alone, no guest, to discuss Scooby-Doo Shaggy's Showdown. Um... But until then, they would have gotten away with it, too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. So long, sports fans. Shmebulok. <laughs> I got it in there. You did get it in there.
Sing it 